Morning, church. Doing all right? Everyone okay? Good, good, good. Hey, um, I just want to share a message with you this morning that I feel God's laid on my heart. Now, I really it comes off the back of the song. Actually, it wasn't planned that way, but that was a new song. First time we've done it this morning. It's a great song, isn't it? Is he faithful? Cool. Well, I want to speak to you today about your faith. It's really felt God laid that on my heart. What it is to have a, a deep faith in God. What I mean by that is a how-to conviction about who God truly is. The reality that no matter what you face, what trial you go through, what struggle you face or come up against, that your faith remains your constant. The reality for all of us, I don't know if you've experienced this, but is that we're going to have some, some dark days, aren't we? We're going to have some struggles. Anyone else have some struggles? Going to have some trials, going to have some suffering. This is good news, isn't it? We're also going to have some amazing days, some days that will be full of real highs. Life is full of fun and fruitful days, but more often it's made up of mundane and even ordinary days. We're going to have flourishing season. Who's excited about that? It's full of growth and life and joy. But then we're going to have seasons of having to stick at it, hang in there, even when we're not seeing much happen or experiencing a whole lot of growth. See, faith is essential. Faith keeps me consistent in my walk and response to God because faith is not based on feelings. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith puts hope in God regardless of what one feels or faces. Faith keeps me pointing true north. It keeps me connected to God no matter what I'm experiencing right now or what I'm feeling in this moment. My faith knows that God exists. Even if the facts around me in my natural world might have me question whether or not God exists, my faith will never question whether God exists. I know in my faith that God is good, even if in my natural circumstances and situations I can't necessarily always see it, I know that God is always good. I wonder if you've ever found yourself praying prayers like this one. I'm sure you haven't. It'll only be me, so I've written a prayer that I might have prayed once in a while. God, this situation I find myself in is completely awful. Why am I in this situation? God, where are you and what are you doing? How can you allow me to go through this? You may even find yourself praying something like, God, don't you love me? I need you to do something now, God. I'm desperate. Has anyone found themselves ever praying something similar to that? There's a few of us that are honest about some of our prayers here this morning. Is that prayer wrong? Is it wrong to pray a prayer like that? Is it wrong to express to God how you truly feel. My answer to that is, it's not wrong at all, but it's only half a prayer. 
It's an unfinished prayer. You see, God wants to hear from you. God's not afraid of what you're going through. He wants to hear the struggles of your life. He's open to listen to the pain and frustrations and disappointments that you face. In fact, Jesus, when he was on the journey, he invited a blind beggar to come to him, Bartimaeus. And what did he ask the beggar? What would you have me do for you? He wants to hear the pain. He wants to hear the brokenness. He wants to hear the struggle. He's not afraid. He doesn't expect you to pretend that your circumstances don't affect you or that they don't exist. He's not looking for people to deny the reality of what they're really, truly going through. But he's looking for people who know what it is to apply their faith to their situation. Faith that speaks to their circumstance and speaks to their situation with a conviction and a confidence of who God is. Not who we are, not what's happening, but who God is. See, regardless of what we see or feel, faith can speak to our situation. This is the God whom I serve. And when we speak like that, when we have faith like that, that pleases God. Let's anchor this in a scripture here this morning. Psalm 31 verse 9 to 13. I want you to kind of hear a psalmist crying out to God and hear the pain of his journey. It starts with this. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread for my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery, for I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and they plot to take my life. Does anyone think the psalmist is having a rough time? See, when when you read that psalm, what you don't hear are the tears that are being cried while he pens his pain, while he writes what you don't hear in his voice, the anguish of what he's facing. But he is crying out to God. He is in anguish and pain. He is in isolation. He feels distant and alone. The sense is that his life is not as it should be. It's extreme. You feel his pain. Everything seems to be over for him. Death seems to be at his door. It's desperate and seemingly hopeless. But the psalm does not finish there. Aren't you glad? But one verse, one verse turns it all around. See, here's what I think with God. He doesn't mind how long the list of complaints and problems are. As long as there's the one verse that changes everything. Verse 14 of the same psalm. But I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. One verse. A list of complaints. Does anyone relate to the psalmist at all? Like if you were to write down some, you could write down a list of problems, struggles, and complaints, but verse 14 changes everything. 
See, faith does not deny one's circumstances, but it focuses, as Jill's already said this morning, on where one's help comes from, and it affirms one's trust in God. Hebrews 11 verse 1 describes faith for us. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Faith is not something that we have every now and again. Faith is present and continuing. It's not just a virtue. It's a living thing. It's a way of life for followers of Jesus. We are told here that faith is being confident, or another translation, sure of things hoped for. See, in our earthly understanding, in our limited knowledge, there are realities that we have no material evidence for. But they are no less real because of that. Faith enables us to know they are real and do really exist. We have no certainty, actually, aside from our faith. Faith gives us certainty. In fact, it's vital for all that the Christian life means and all that the Christian life hopes for. Let me put it to you this way, ask you a question. What material evidence do you have that heaven exists? What concrete material evidence can you give to somebody to prove to them that heaven is real? You have no material evidence of the reality of heaven. But yet most of us in this room knows that heaven is real. Faith is the basis of all that we hope for. It is also by what we test and trust the things unseen. As I've said, we have no material way of testing the immaterial things. But we are not helpless. By faith, we gain our evidence of what we do not see. Faith stretches well beyond what we learn from our earthly senses, that which we see, touch, smell, and feel. In fact, if our walk with God is going to be based simply on what we touch, see, smell, or feel, we're going to have a lot of uncertainty in the world that we live. Faith is a present reality for us. It's not just the property of the past heroes outlined in chapter 11 of Hebrews. If you have time, I encourage you, read through Hebrews 11 and hear the heroes of faith that are outlined for us in that chapter. For example, faith gives us convictions about creation. Was anybody around for the creation of the world? Has anybody seen it with their own natural eyes? Belief in the existence of the world is not faith. Nor is it faith to hold to the thought that the world was formed out of some pre-existing stuff. Now that's my scientific explanation for you this morning. But when we understand and believe that it was the spoken word of God that produced all things, now it is faith. The visible world is not enough for the author of Hebrews to believe in its origin, but it is his faith that assures him that God originated it. Look at Romans 10 verse 17 in the New King James Version, if we're going to have any doubt. So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's the word of God that tells us that God originated the earth. 
And I don't know about you, but my faith comes from hearing the word. What the word of God says. The word of God is not obsolete today. It's where we receive faith in who God is. It's where we learn the character and nature of God. It's how we learn to trust who God is. How else can you explain your faith? So our faith is not determined by our circumstances. We don't change our beliefs or convictions because of difficulties in life. We continue to hold to the character and the nature of God. We continue to place our trust in him, even when we are confused in our troubles. We don't allow our feelings to dictate the level of our faith. Our natural senses are not the basis for whether God exists or not. We can so easily become distracted or doubtful or upset or angry because we don't see or feel anything from God. And somehow, in that case, we end up with a distorted view of who God truly is. If we're not careful, we can wonder why God has not done something for us right now in the immediate. And somehow we end up treating God as an on-demand God. Because we live in an on-demand world, do we not? On-demand TV. I'll watch it when I want to. I'll watch it when I feel like it. I'll watch it at my own pace. On-demand everything. I want it now. I can buy stuff even if I don't have the money because I live in an on-demand world and they'll let me do so. If I want it now, I can have it now. But God is not an on-demand God. He is not an instant gratification God. He is God. He is sovereign. His ways are higher than ours. But we can so easily get a distorted view based on what we feel, see, or understand in the natural. If culture is an on-demand culture, we can believe that God should be an on-demand God if we just use our senses, what we have in the natural, to understand Him. But we can't. We've got to know the character and the nature of God. How do we do it? It's the word of God. We can see God, if we're not careful, as heartless or killjoy God, or the list can go on and on and on if we allow our natural senses to dictate how God should function within our lives. How can it happen? How do we get to that point? How can that happen to us? Well, it can happen because I'm reading the Bible and I don't feel anything. Nothing jumps out at me. Nothing seems to happen. So I'm kind of, is God real? Because the Bible, when I read it, nothing's seeming to happen. When others sing around me, they they cry. Well, obviously they feel something of the presence of God, but I don't. I must be numb then. So I wonder if God truly exists. When I pray, I don't seem to feel God. When I'm in prayer meetings, I can't feel the presence of God. I want to believe, but I don't feel anything. You see, it was never meant to be just about what we feel or see or touch or understand. God was never designed to just be a goosebump God. Where because I don't see him or feel him or hear him, I can't believe. Maybe once you prayed for a car park and God didn't give it to you. But someone else tells you how every time they pray, God gives them a car park. And now you think, well, I can't be favored or loved by God as much as that person. And somehow in doing that, we bring our experience of God 
into our natural sphere or our natural understanding. And in doing so, we set our faith up for failure. I wonder how many of you have felt the presence of God in church. I wonder how many of you have felt the presence of God today in church. And I wonder how you know that you felt the presence of God. Maybe tingly feelings. Maybe crying. Maybe you had a sense of peace come over your life. Now, God's presence can give you tingly feelings. But so can sitting next to your girlfriend in church. God's presence can make you cry, but so can a good YouTube video. God's presence does bring you peace, but so can soft lighting, soothing music, and a massage. Now, please hear my heart. I don't say that to belittle your experience of God. I pray that more people would have a tangible expression of who God is in their daily lives. I say it to say this, not everybody feels something. If you didn't feel something today, I wonder how you process that. Is it God's fault? Maybe you feel it's your fault. Maybe it's the worship leader's fault. They didn't do a good enough job. If you didn't feel God's presence today, you're not alone. You see, you don't always feel God. That's why faith is so powerful, because it is not determined by what one feels, or by what one sees. Look at Psalm 88, verse 13 and 14. Another psalmist, having a bad day. But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? I mean, this psalmist gets up first thing in the morning, is crying out to the Lord. The psalmist is in a desperate place and his sense is, God, have you rejected me? Are you hiding your face? Why hide your face? God, why do you seem so distant? Why is it that I can't seem to feel you or know that you are here? I feel you've rejected me. Does anyone relate ever to what the psalmist is saying? The psalmist asks God, God, where are you in this? There are times where we question, God, where are you in this? Well, I might. You probably don't. And God can seem distant or silent. We can't feel him. And it can seem that he's rejected us or he's hiding his face from us. And you know what? The reality is we can all face times like this. David did in the Bible. He went from shepherd boy to being anointed as king. In other words, he's going to have a throne and a kingdom. He's going to have his cheese and crackers. It's going to be a good time for David. But guess what happens to David? Uh Uh-oh, next minute he's running for his life and wondering why God has seemingly forsaken him. Jesus walked with God, suffered the cross. What was Jesus' cry upon the cross? Eli, Eli, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me. C.S. Lewis wrote, during one of the most painful times of his life, he cried out to God and got a door slammed in his face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that silence, you may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. He confessed that 
This heavenly silence made him doubt whether there was even a God at all. There are no lights in the windows, he writes. It may be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seemed once. Why is God so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in time of trouble? C.S. Lewis wrote that. Seldom does it make anyone's list of his top quotes. But I wonder if you've ever felt this way. I wonder if you've ever felt that God is distant and perhaps silent. You see, the reality is we don't always see God, feel God, or even hear his voice. But it's in times like this where our faith finds its flight, where our trust in who God is, total trust in his love, that he is with us because why? Because he promised in his word to be. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If it says it in the word, then we put our trust completely in it whether we feel it or not. In these times, these days or seasons, we don't give up because we have faith in who God is. If we, ever, if we always felt him or saw him, don't know if we could call it faith. And in fact, here, look at Jesus speaking to Thomas post the resurrection, John twenty twenty nine, And Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. In other words, Thomas saw with his natural eyes. Thomas touched the wounds in the hands of Jesus. He could believe because he could see the resurrected Savior right in front of him. In fact, he could touch him. But you see, blessed are those who believe. In other words, have faith. Know that it is true because of the word of God who haven't seen with their natural senses. It's only by faith. What I felt as I prepared this is that many have stopped drawing near to God because we're just not feeling Him or seeing Him somehow. Or God feels distant. But the challenge to all of us is to continue to draw close to God. To keep seeking Him no matter what we are going through. To lay hold of faith And pursue God regardless of what we see, hear, or feel. I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like worshipping. I don't always feel like lifting my hands. I don't always feel in a great space. But I choose in faith to do it. Because the word says where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of them. And if God is going to make himself present with us, then I'm going to surrender and worship him regardless of how I feel. I won't only lift my hands when I feel it, when I feel the presence of God. I'll lift them in faith. That's what faith does. It goes beyond how I feel or what I see or what I hear. I might not have heard the word of God speak to me for a long time, but I'll continue to read and read and read because he's always speaking to me out of his word and I'll lay hold of it in faith. That's what faith does for us. Because if we don't, our expression of faith can just become religious duties rather than genuine devotion. In other words, I can find myself, I go through the motions, I'll go to church, I'll even serve, I'll do this stuff, because I know it's the right thing to do. But I don't feel God or see God or hear God. Faith is so much deeper and so much greater than that. Faith ensures 
that I seek after God with all my heart, that I live a life that is devoted to him. Never let it become religious duty. Acts 17, 24 to 27. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times and histories and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him, though he is not far from any one of us. You've been chosen to live today. 2017, this is the time for you to be alive in the earth. Who knows that to be true? But our heart will always be to search, reach out for God. Never stop searching, never stop reaching out. And the promise is he's actually never far from any one of us, whether we feel him, see him, or hear him. You've got to lay hold of that in faith. It needs to be, continue to be our heart's desire to relentlessly pursue God regardless of what else is happening. If you look through the themes of Scripture, I think you'll see something really interesting and be able to draw something out. It seems to me, from what I read, that challenges, hard times, suffering, produces the best in people. The other side of the coin, comfort, ease, prosperity, not so much. There's something about the trials and struggles of life that produce the best. Because faith kicks in when we're struggling and when we're going through stuff. We're not having it our own way. It's not easy. Faith in who God is causes us to lean in to his character and nature. But here's a thought for you this morning. Don't know how good it is. We'll see. Deprivation draws out desire. Deprivation draws out desire. What do I mean? Well, don't eat for two days. What are you thinking about? Food, right? Don't drink for a day. What are you feeling? Thirsty. Don't feel God. Don't feel Him. My prayer is, you want Him all the more. My prayer is that hunger would rise in your heart. That even if you don't feel him, it wouldn't cause you to sit back and just settle. It would cause you to pursue him with all your heart. In fact, the worship team can come back and join me for this next part. I pray, and my prayer is that emptiness makes me ask. That desperation makes me seek. And that silence makes me knock on the door of heaven. God wants to be pursued no matter what. Faith. He doesn't only want to be pursued when it feels right or feels good or you see him at work or you hear a word from him. He wants you to pursue him all the time. Faith. Even in the dark seasons and struggles, God wants you by faith to pursue him. Just because God is silent doesn't mean God is absent. Just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. Don't believe everything you feel 
as feelings are not always facts. Jeremiah 29 verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It doesn't give us an out. It doesn't qualify. It just says, seek me with all your heart. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever's going on in life, whether it's a good season right now, it's fruitful time, or whether you're in a dark day, in a hard season, a dry season, even if God feels distant and silent, or you haven't heard him for a while, you haven't felt a tangible expression, don't stop seeking God with all your heart. Pursue God. Hebrews 11.1 1, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. My confidence comes through faith, not through my experiences. I pray we as God's people never allow our feelings to lead, but we are people of faith. People who are hungry in pursuit of God, regardless of what comes our way. People who praise and worship through the challenges and pain of life. Faith doesn't deny the circumstances, but it puts one's trust in God regardless of the circumstances. As we go back into a time of worship, we're going to sing that song again in a moment, a few moments, do it again. For some of you, you're saying, God, I, I'm in a season, I, I want to know the close, your closeness and I want to feel a tangible expression of your presence in my life. It's not wrong to want that. It's just that can't be the only basis for our faith. But I say, God, do it again. Move by your spirit. Touch our hearts and lives afresh. But you know what I feel? Is that God in reverse to that can say, well, come on, people of God, pursue me with all your heart. Don't wait to feel something. Don't wait to see something. Don't, don't hang back. Don't stay in your dry season. But how about your hunger for more of my presence? How about you pursue me with all your heart? Don't, don't settle for what you've seen before. But believe, as Jill prophesied earlier, that even the next season would be even more. You see greater things than you've seen before. But I reckon it's down to us pursuing God with all our hearts. Let your faith kick in afresh. Say, God, I may not feel or see, but my faith says you are there. You are an ever-present help in time of trouble. You are with us. And we know that you're with us because your word says it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you say that's who you are, I believe you. Will you stand with me? I guess I ask you to stand because it postures us for a moment to say, God, we're going to pursue you in worship. But right before we do that, I just want to take a moment before there's too much noise. Let's give you a moment to settle your heart and your mind before the Lord. Then I will pray and then we'll sing together and we'll go after God with all our hearts. Can we just take a moment just to quiet ourselves before the Lord?
Lord, we thank you that beyond what we feel or see or can perceive right now in the natural, we know that we know that we know that you are here because your word promises it to us. So Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence with us here this morning. And Lord, I pray that we would be people who would continue to ask, seek, and knock. That in emptiness, we would reach out and ask. In desperation, we would seek you with all our hearts. When you were silent, we would knock on the door of heaven and keep knocking. Lord, as we ask, we would receive. As we seek, we would find. And as we knock, the door would be opened. Lord, we each desire more of you in our lives. Lord, I pray today by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would fuel our passion afresh. And God, we cry out for an increased measure of faith today for the future that we each face. That we would face our world and our future with faith and complete trust in who you are. A faith that goes well beyond what we feel or what we see, but a faith that is based on who you are, your character, your nature, your promises that are in the word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Let's worship together this morning.